Hey there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have with us back on the podcast, Pastor Stephen Blandino. He's an author, podcaster, amongst uh, many other things. We just get to sit down and walk through a teaching that he shared in Influence Magazine on leading through fears. And he shares why this is such a vital topic today for pastors and leaders, um, missionaries, those who are in a place of leadership, why leading through your fears can be it can be challenging. Talks about Peter and overcoming this idea of a fear of failure. He, we talk about the idea of rejection and how we can respond to rejection in a healthy way. Um, not leading from a fear of lack and scarcity, but rather understanding a mindset of of the life of a leader and our trust in God. We look at some life, uh, the life of David, and some lessons from his life on criticism. Um, we talk about Moses and overcoming uh, his inadequacies and how God can God is our strength and our soap. And then the idea of speaking up, uh, even when it's not uh, so fun, and even when it's not necessarily uh, popular. But the role of a leader to be able to speak into situations when God has asked us to. So always appreciate Pastor Stephen um, being with us and just enjoy learning from him. I'd ask you to continue to send in your questions for Back Channel with Foth. That's where I sit down with Dick Foth and uh, answer uh, leadership. He answers leadership questions, and it's always a fun time just to spend with Dick. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have our friend of the podcast, Stephen, Pastor Stephen Blandino, back with us today. How are you doing today, sir? Doing good, Aaron. Doing good. Great to be with you again. Happy New Year. Yeah, thank you very, very much. Very much. Before we hit record, I was just asking an update about your book and different things and your podcast. You want to share uh, just an update for the listeners? Yeah, um, Stop Chasing Easy came out uh, early. I can't believe it's been almost a year. So, uh, but uh uh, a great, uh, great way to challenge your faith as you start a new year. And, and, uh, especially if you love the book of Philippians, it walks all yeah. through that. So yeah, it's going good and leader fluent podcast. Yeah. Um, I had a little, a, a little bit of a break, uh, but we're, we're, we'll, we got another episode coming up soon here. So I'd love awesome. for, for you to check it out. For sure. For sure. Um, I'm a subscriber to both. I got the book and the subscriber to the podcast. My wife and I both uh, thanks. Um, really, really enjoyed it. So today we're going to talk about your one of your most recent uh, articles in uh, Influence Magazine, Overcoming Leadership Fears. And I just found it very insightful and very helpful. Uh, I always appreciate your your writings because you, you there's scripture and you address the the needs of the day, and so this one uh, was one one of those once again. So, just yeah, the first first question I have for you is leading through fears. Um, what is it, what are some reasons that you chose this topic, and why is it so vital for the time we're in today? Yeah, I think it doesn't take much uh, to to look around and see that fear seems to be. Um, just playing a more and more uh, significant role in life in general, not just leadership, life in general, right? I mean, turn on the news and there's health scares and economic recession and rising crime, you name it, right? And and um, I think as leaders, the challenge is that, that we can face those same fears and yet we have to lead through them and lead yeah. our people through them. Yeah. And in, in our culture right now, you know, two of the most powerful forces in in culture are media 
and politics. Hmm. And both of those forces uh, speak the language of fear. Yeah. Um, they use fear as the way to drive their agenda. And I'm not I'm not talking about one side. I mean, both sure. sides. It doesn't matter the channel, doesn't matter the political platform, whatever. Um, fear has just became, become the language of some of the cultural forces in society. And so it can very quickly dominate our thinking. And if we're not careful, we can begin to respond uh, and make decisions out of fear rather than out of faith. And, um, you know, whenever I look at uh, Acts chapter four, Aaron, when Peter and John were arrested, uh, you know, they were questioned by the council and then they're eventually released and given orders not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And what's the first thing they do? They return uh, to the house where their early believers were and they share what happened. And scripture says that they, they raised their voices together in prayer to yeah. God. And they didn't pray for protection. Mm. Um, and they didn't pray that um, the the threats would stop. So they're faced with fear because they could be arrested again. They could be put to death. They're faced with a, a, a circumstance that is induced with fear. And yet the thing they prayed for was for boldness and power. Wow. And I just think, you know, as leaders in a fear-induced culture, in a fear-induced season, our job is not to let the fear dictate how we're going to lead, but rather pray for boldness and power to lead faithfully in Jesus' name and do what he's called us to do. Yeah. And as you said, that's that's countercultural because it does it, it does seem to seem to be that most things today are, are driven by fear and that um, power and courage and uh, you know that Andy Stanley prayer that um, or I credit him I don't know if it is but you know the prayer God give me wisdom give me the courage to do what you've shown me to do and then faith to trust you with the outcomes and mm-hmm. um, we'll talk a little bit about some of those themes here today but that's a prayer I've been praying um, in this new year is um, I want to hear God's voice. I want that spiritual discernment. I want that insight. And then having the courage to do it, even when it doesn't, it doesn't uh, necessarily make sense or it's going against what the right. culture is, is teaching. And then and then um, trusting him with the outcomes. I think that's one thing I like to try to control. I realize the older yeah. I get, I don't control near as much <laughs> as I used to, but um, but it's part of it. Yeah. So, so second, um, you talk about lessons we can learn from Peter when it comes to the fear of failure. Could you show, share some of those those lessons? Yeah, I mean, Peter's such a great case study in failure, right? Because he <laughs> he seemed to chalk up a few of them, and uh, you know, you know, when you look at his story, uh, you know, obviously there's a time whenever he. Uh, took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink. And, and granted, he's the only one that got out of the boat. So, you know, I don't I don't consider him a, a total failure there. But Jesus did say, you know, you have little faith, you know, after that happened. Um, and, and then we see where Jesus uh, rebuked him um, uh, and, and reprimand, you know, whenever Peter uh, reprimanded him um, and uh, Jesus rebukes him uh, in, in Matthew chapter 16, we, we see where as well, where uh, Jesus told his disciples that they were going to all desert him. And Peter was like, no, we're not. And then that's exactly what happened. You know, he fell asleep in the garden whenever Jesus was praying and asked him to pray. You know, he overreacted and chopped the guy's ear off. You know, he disowned <laughs> Jesus. So, you know, these are uh, some of them pretty definitely very significant sure. failures. And yet I think when we look at what what happened a couple of lessons we can apply to our lives is is first recognizing that failure is a what, not a who. 
Hmm. In other words, you know, failure might define what you've done, but it does not define who you are. And, um, my, my wife, you know, she, she, I I may have shared this before, but she, you know, used to teach in a, um, alternative school where students attended that were, um, uh, had been kicked off the main campus and, and, uh, were having to attend this school for a season because of something they did to (laughs) get kicked out of the main, main school, whether it was drug related or, you know, related to bad behavior, whatever. And she, she would go to the, to the board and draw, um, a uh, a long line, and on the line she would put a small little dash, and she would say, "Look, I know you think being here is like the worst thing that could ever happen to you, but if this long line represents the entirety of your life, this small dash just represents the time you're here. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's a small dash. So so don't let the dash define you. And I think that's a great way to look at failure. Failure can define you or failure can develop you. And it's Mm. our choice. So failure is a what it's it's not a who. And then secondly, failure is a place for restoration, not rejection. And we see this with Peter whenever Jesus uh, restored him. Um, after, you know, meeting him on the beach and telling him, Hey, feed the, feed my sheep. And he told him that three, three different times. And this is after, you know, Peter had uh, denied Jesus. And so, you know, Jesus rises from the dead. He appears to Peter and he restores him. He doesn't reject him and say, Hey, thanks a lot for not being there for me. He restores him. And so I think that's important for us to realize with failure that not only is failure, uh, a what, not a who, but failure is a place where we can be restored, not rejected by God. Yeah. And that's just his goodness and grace at work in our lives. Sure. Stephen, is is pastors, leaders, family members, whoever, how do we model that um, restoration rather than rejection? Is Does that make sense? Yeah. I, you know, we have to... We have to remind ourselves of what it was like to receive grace for the very first time. Hmm. Because let's just be honest, the longer we're following Jesus and the longer we're in ministry, if we're not careful, we can become uh, very consumed in proper behaviors of others and forget that we ourselves have been on a lifelong journey and have experienced God's grace multiple times in that journey. And our job is to to be ministers of grace, to be people who who extend grace to people. And here's the thing. There's so much pain in the world right now, Aaron, so much hurt. Uh, people people need more grace, not less grace. They, they, they don't need more judgment. I heard somebody say something the other day. I thought this is really interesting. It was in, in, in an interview. They said the higher up a person goes in leadership, the more they prejudge, hmm. M- meaning that, you know, the higher you go in leadership, you've got, you, you've got, um, you've got more experience. You've yeah. got more, um, you know, insight because you've led for a longer period of time. And so when you hear things or you see things, it can be, yeah, it, it can be really easy to come to quick conclusions and to prejudge, you know, oh, uh, if if we do that, it's going to mean this, that, and the other. And I just think we have to, as leaders, uh, make sure we're continually operating from a posture of, of grace. Yeah, it's good. I was listening to a podcast today, and they were talking about succession and, um, you know, the the person that follows you and, you know, the idea that maybe you, would, you wouldn't necessarily do it the way they were doing it, and they followed that conversation, but 
they said something. It this really hit home for me on this idea of restoration and not rejection. They said, you know, there's things that I look back that I did this morning that I would do different. There's things yeah. that I look back last week and said, you know, even sure. I don't even agree with myself sometimes, let alone or, you know, and that really hit me. I was on a run and it was uh, just a, a moment, um, a word I needed to hear from God, just the reality that even me, you know, I mean, I, I look at mm. same things I would have did different this morning. And yes, somebody might d- do something. I'm not talking about sin issues here. I'm just talking about they're doing things a different way. Maybe it didn't go the way they wanted it to go. Um, at the yeah. same time, there's there's lots of things in my life that um, I wish I could have a do over on. And um, that, that value yeah. of restoration. And you know what? When we have a grace posture, Aaron, I think um, it's easier to live with ourselves as well. Hmm. That's because good. because we we're not constantly beating ourselves up. We're not constantly, you know. I know my my personality. I I've, uh, I, I tend to lean in the direction of you know everything's got to be perfect. Everything's got to be you know sure. just right and everything. And that becomes a heavy burden to live under. So yeah. so when we're grace filled leaders, not only are we better leaders, and not only are we easier to live with, work with, work for. Um, we're also, it's also easier to live with ourselves. Yeah, it's good. Because we can, we can forgive ourselves. We can, we can uh, walk in a posture of grace and be okay with the fact, look, I'm not perfect. And I need God's grace every single day. Yeah. And um, we're not living under the, the burden of constantly judging ourselves as well. I would imagine it's easier to live with ourselves and those who live with us. It's probably That's easier right. for them to live with us. huh? Yes. A big amen <laughs> to that. That's right. Uh, one of the other ones that you talked about in overcoming leadership fears is rejection. Um, and you mentioned that. How do we respond to rejection in a healthy way? And that same podcast today, they said, you know, a lot of times as, as leaders, um, we're, we feel like we're the product. We feel like as a leader, we're the product. If you're a pastor, you're the product. You're a missionary, you're the product. And then when people walk away or whatever, we feel rejected. So how, how do we deal with this in a healthy way? Yeah. You know, I think when it comes to rejection, we, we see an example of this in, in the Gospel of John chapter 12. Um, whenever it talks about how there were, you know, many that were listening to Jesus and um, and many even among the leaders uh, of the day, the religious leaders of the day, they they actually believed in him. But it says that because uh, of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. And then it, and then it says wow. this, it says that they they loved human praise more than praise from God. And when I when I look at that, uh, the thing that stands out to me is that they were people pleasers, right? They were more concerned about pleasing people than (laughs) pleasing, pleasing God, which I mean, let's be honest, most of us struggle with that in some measure Um, that they they were people pleasing. And and here's the thing about people pleasing. It produces uh, either pride or paralysis. Hmm. Um, You know, either pride, pride is evident by their love for human praise more than praise from God. Um, and paralysis is evident by the fact that they would not follow Jesus, even though they desired to do so. Yeah. So I, I think whenever we face the fear of rejection, we've got to, we've got to deal with the people pleasing deal because that may be at the root of our fear of mm. rejection is that wow. we don't want to let anybody down. Yeah. Uh, we want to please people. And, um, and so 
in that, we have to remind ourselves, I think, first off, we've got to be faithful first and foremost to Christ, like our yeah. allegiance is ultimately to him. Um, and then secondly, we've got to we've got to identify we got to separate our identity from our ideas. And I know we've talked about that on this podcast before of just realizing that that my ideas and, and even somebody rejecting those does not determine my identity. Mature leaders understand uh, that you have to separate those two things and cling to your true identity in Christ and not let your identity be wrapped up in the ideas that you carry. Yeah. And uh, that's a for me. That's a daily reminder. Uh, I, yeah. I love to tell you that's a uh, lesson I learned once, and I can uh, I've learned it. But it's that tying your idea to ident- uh, identity to your ideas is um, I would say that's one I'm, I struggle with at least weekly, um, yeah, maybe daily. I'm right there I, with, yeah, I'm right there with you because it's so much just a part of who we are, right? Yeah. And yeah. and we never think our ideas are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, of course, they're, they're not only my ideas, they're great ideas. Exactly. And they should be your ideas, too. So exactly. anyway, and we think like everybody, what is it? Naive realism, the idea that everybody thinks the way I do and sees the world the same way I do. And uh, mm. it'd be a scary world if they all saw it like this West Virginian does. So anyway, so, yeah, the other thing you talk about is the fear of lack and this idea mm. of a scarcity mindset. Uh, how does that impact the life of a leader? You know, in the article, I shared um, kind of a few bullet points, and, and maybe I'll just touch on a few of those real quick. Uh, that that kind of contrasts a scarcity mindset versus an abundance mindset. So, for example, uh, a scarcity mindset focuses on lack, while an abundance mindset focuses on God. Like, like when you've got an, a, a scarcity mindset, there's never enough, and yet God is the God who is always enough. Yeah. We're in a sermon series right now at our church called There Is More, and we're just trying to help our congregation understand that God is uh, the God of more. Um, and so, therefore, we should recognize that there's no lack to him. Like, he's mm. the God of more, but we should also want to seek God more. Mm. Like, he's the God of more, but I should also want to seek God more. So, I'm not yeah. just wanting what give me i'm wanting god himself That's and right. when we have an abundance mindset i think we're able to 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 see god for for all that he is that he's the god who can do much much more than i, I can think ask or imagine and um and when we lean in the direction of scarcity uh, that's again, that's fear that's controlling us That's uh, here right. here's another one a scarcity mindset complains about what it doesn't have while an abundance mindset gives thanks for what it does have. Yeah. Um, if you have a scarcity mindset, you'll never be happy with what you have. Mm. Um, mm. But an abundance mindset says, no, I'm God is so good. And I'm so yeah. grateful for what he has blessed me with. Um, and I'm not going to worry about if I should have more or not. I, I, I believe I can have more because I have an abundance mindset. But, but I'm not coming at it from the attitude of I deserve more or I, I'm going to demand more, or God owes me because he doesn't. Yeah. Instead, I'm just going to be grateful yeah. for, for, for what he's done. Uh, here's yeah. another. A scarcity mindset settles for its current reality while an abundance mindset sees future possibility. Hmm. A, a scarcity m- mindset resents the success of others while an abundance mindset believes there's plenty of success to go around. Wow. And, and, l- and let me tell you, it, that's where our hearts get checked because of jealousy. Yeah. Like, can we cheer on other people's success? Yeah. Um, 
because there's enough to go around for everybody. Yeah. A scarcity mindset resists change, while an abundance mindset is driven by faith. Hmm. Uh, or excuse me, is is um, uh, an abundance mind, mindset believes new po- possibilities require change. Okay. Uh, and then the, the next one was a scarcity mindset is driven by fear, while an abundance mindset is driven by faith. So yeah. th- those are just some of the thoughts. You know, I think you look at the book of Numbers, a perfect example is obviously the, 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 the 12 spies that get sent out. Ten of them come back with a scarcity mindset. Two of them come back with an abundance mindset. Yeah. And unfortunately, the scarcity mindset won, and the consequence was 40 years in the wilderness. So there is a consequence for a scarcity mindset. Hmm. And there is a consequence, a far better one, for an abundance mindset. So the idea, and I'm 100% with you, the idea of having a heart of gratitude and being thankful, do you think that competes with the idea of looking looking for an abundance mindset? Does that make sense? So is it just okay to say I'm going to be grateful here and not look to lead and see change and see see growth? And how do you balance those two? Yeah, you know, several years ago, my wife, um, she she was keeping a, a gratitude journal. We'd kind of given a, a, a challenge to our congregation to, to do a gratitude journal. And she told me, she said, I'm going to write down one thing uh, I'm grateful for that's already happened. And one thing I'm grateful for that has not yet happened. That's good. And I said, well, explain that. And she basically said, well, you know, I'm going to thank God for something that's already happened, you know, that I can point to, but I'm also going to thank him for something that I'm believing him for, for the future Mm. um, that he's going to do. And I'm thanking him in advance for what I believe that he's going to do. And and I love that because it, it shows um, two dimensions of gratitude. One is, is, true gratitude for what's taken place. And the other one is an expression of gratitude tied to faith. Yeah. And I, I think that's where we can have the healthy, the healthy balance in our lives sure. of, of let's, let's model contentment by being grateful for what God's already done. But let's also right. model faith by expressing gratitude for what we believe he's going to do because we don't believe he's finished. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, I don't, I have, I struggle to walk in those areas of tension. And so you're mm. I, to me, that's a tension of of gratitude and thanking. You know what I mean? And so I seem to yeah. go one way or the other. Um, but you know, my mom says getting old's not for sissies. And so you know, it's <laughs> it's uh, you know, to, you know, my the word God has put in my heart this year is just to grow in spiritual maturity in 2023. Mm. And I think um, that's one thing that has come back again is this idea that you know, if you're going to walk in in spiritual maturity, Aaron, if you're going to grow mature immaturity. Uh, you're going to have to be able to w- comfortable walking in those those areas of tension rather than avoiding them, and yeah. um, and that's I think that's that's one that you just highlighted there highlighted there. Well, you know, I know in my uh, personal time with the Lord, um, I've got a journal that I I write in each morning, um, and uh, I'm studying usually a book of the Bible. So right now I'm in Ephesians and. And um, I'll, I'll read, you know, sometimes it's a whole chapter. Sometimes it's just a few verses. I basically just read until I something's really speaking to me. Yeah. And um, and I stop and I'll journal about that. But but before I journal about that scripture, the first thing I do is I write down three things I'm thankful for. Hmm. So it, it just helps me pause and think over the last 24 hours, what is there that I want to pause and recognize and give God thanks for? Because the truth of the matter is when, when that becomes built into our routines, it forces you to pause and think about the small things that we take for granted. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, we we tend to tie gratitude to the big things. And I'm yeah. thinking, well, you know what? What 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 are the small things I can thank them for um, yeah. that I take for granted and it starts to build it into our mindsets. Yeah. Very insightful. I'm reading a book on the Audubon, the the guy who founded the Audubon Society, the Bird oh, Society. Wow. And it's been I've been challenged along those lines of gratitude just to sit and look at birds and uh, God's creation. Mm-hmm. And, the one, you know, that's one thing about living in Kenya. There's a lot of beautiful birds here. But I think there, as you said, a lot of I, I, there's a lot in God's creation to be thankful for and grateful for that I was rushing by. And um, not mm. taking the time to see, not taking the time to appreciate, and um, as you said, when you when you're forced to slow down and say, you know, God, what are the things I need to be thankful for? One of those that came to my mind was the birds. So I've been watching them, and uh, it's That's a, good. They are quite quite miraculous for for sure. You share some lessons from David also when it comes to criticism, um, and the the fear of criticism. And maybe a leader will pull back um, because of that fear. Would you just share some of those lessons we can learn from David when it comes to the fear of criticism? You know, whenever he faced Goliath, um, he shows up on the battlefield, basically, and sees the army cowering at this giant that's coming out and mocking them. And uh, so what does David do? He starts asking around um, and finding out what's going on and who this guy is. But immediately he's faced with criticism from his brother. And um, he criticizes David's position as a shepherd. Mm. Um, And he even criticizes the posture of his heart because he's basically, you know, uh, saying that he's conceited and his heart is wicked. And and he, you know, came down to watch the battle and, and, you know, his motives are wrong. And yet David's response to that was not to just go back and start shepherding sheep again. Um, and it wasn't to withdraw. Um, there's really four things that stand out to me in this passage. The, the first one is clarity, because whenever his brother criticized him, First uh, Samuel 17, verse 30 says that he turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. Wow. And the men answered him as before. In other words, his brother criticizes him, but but David doesn't stop. He finds someone else to find out. Uh, what will happen for the person who kills this this giant? Yeah, and um, and he did that three different times. Yeah, and so if you lack clarity of vision when you're criticized, you'll back off the vision as soon as somebody says something negative to you. Mm. Um, the the second thing is courage. Uh, David went to Saul and he said, you know, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine, and um, he said, I'll fight him. Yeah. And and David, uh, so David basically has the courage to do what no other Israelite had done for the last 40 days as this yeah. guy came out mocking them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, something I, I, it reminds me of is that naysayers are the loudest when the verdict is still out. Wow. But courage delivers the verdict. Hmm. Our courage delivers the ultimate verdict of, of you know, and, and that silences the criticism, right? Yeah. Good word. Um, so, so he had clarity. He had courage. I'm sorry. This is the preacher and me coming out. No, here, and it's, good. Uh, these are these are all C's. All no, I like it. That's how uh, I can remember. <laughs> the third C is credibility. Um, e- even Saul uh, challenged David's ability to take on Goliath. So David's the, <clears throat> David's the only one volunteering, but um, 
but even Saul looks at him and he's like, you know, are you sure? Like, yeah. you, you, I'm not sure you should be the, be doing this. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so what does David do? He points to his past success. He talks about taking on a lion and taking on a bear and, um, and protecting the sheep and, and, uh, and, and, you know, how he, he would strike, strike the lion and bear and, and, and seize it and kill it. And, um, and so rather than caving to the criticism, David reminded Saul that he prepared for this moment. He had prepared yeah. for this day. And so that preparation is what gave him the credibility uh, to, to, to face his critics. Yeah. And, and then the last one is confidence. And that is that, that uh, David concludes his remarks to Saul. And he says, you know what? The Lord rescued me from, from a lion. He rescued me from a bear. And he's going to res- rescue me from, from this Philistine as well. David's confidence was in the Lord. He said, it was the Lord who rescued me and he'll rescue me in this situation just the same. And so those four things I think are powerful when we face our critics. Do we have clarity of vision? Do we have the courage to pursue that vision despite Mm -hmm. what others are saying? Um, Do we have credibility? We can point to, look, here's what God's done in the past. And, um, and, and then, you know, is our confidence in the Lord, not in the praises of man. So, so just, those are some things that I think practically from David's life we can take whenever we face the fear of criticism. Do you think that, do you think fear is, we're talking about overcoming leadership fears. Do you think criticism is tied to fear uh, in the sense that is that something that is seems to be growing in our culture today? Uh, at least for me, I do. It seems like that everyone has become, I th- said during a, COVID, everyone became a, a virologist and an immunologist, and everyone became the specialist in, in vaccines yeah. and, and viruses. But it, it does seem today that more and more people are becoming uh, specialists and being critics. Does that, does that, is that a fair? Oh, yeah. 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 I, yeah. I think you're right. And, and social media makes it easier than ever as well. Yeah. I can voice my opinion and, and come across as, you know, the, the one who has the corner on the truth yeah. and, and, um, and everybody else is wrong. They need to listen to what I say. And so we, we, we become critics. And I think what we have to remind ourselves of is when we present ourselves as critics, we're not accomplishing anything. Hmm. I mean, we're, we really aren't. Yeah. We're, all we're doing is revealing our ability to have an annoying opinion. <laughs> <laughs> in the meantime, in the meantime, the real leaders are out getting the job done. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think, yeah, you know, we've just got to be honest that most people aren't looking for another opinion. Yeah. Um, They're not looking for just more, um, you know, saying, touting our horn, just saying what we want to say. I just think let's lead and let's actually solve problems and meet needs and make a difference and not, not let, uh, not not become the critics of everything. You know, I love the the old thing of of instead of criticizing culture, let's change culture. Yeah, that's good. And, and you don't you don't change culture by just being a constant critic of it. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you 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 change culture by creating culture that's even better, that's even healthier, that's even more wholesome. For sure, especially as Christian leaders. That's right. Especially as, especially as Christian leaders. The other thing you t- you talk about is Moses. And um, this, the fear of inadequacies. And I think that might like make tie into criticism, but you talk about having confidence, but what can mm-hmm. we learn from Moses when it comes to the, these, the fear of, of inadequacy? 
Yeah, you know, what was what were all the things that Moses said whenever God calls him to return and deliver the uh, children of Israel? You know, he 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 just gives a whole list of reasons why he shouldn't. Um, you know, he's like, who am I that you should send me? And what if I go and they reject me? And, you know, what if they don't listen to me? Or, hey, you know, God, I'm not very good at speaking. And, hey, at the end, he's finally like, just send somebody else, God. Please just send somebody else. And um, basically, they're all excuses saying to God, I'm not good enough. I'm inadequate, God. Hmm. Uh, it's almost like imposter syndrome. Hmm. It's like, you know, you, you, you've that they don't know um, how bad I really am. Yeah. And God, God would not let down. He would not relent. And I think what we see in God's response to um, Moses is, is, is three things. And, and that is you know, first, God made it clear that he was with Moses. And um, because he, he, you know, whenever Moses would say, who am I? God said, I will be with you. Mm. And um, and he even said, this will be a sign to you that that, that it is I who have, uh, uh, you know, have sent you. And so we have to just remind ourselves that when we feel inadequate, God has not abandoned us, that he is with us and not only is he with us but secondly he has sent us yeah um and that's what he did with moses he he exodus 3 i mean we see where uh he said that he sent moses this was god's idea and you know sometimes we have to remind ourselves that whatever the mission is that we're on whether we're missionaries or pastors or serving in in the business world or wherever we are this the idea of this didn't start with me yeah it's good it was That's God's good. idea. And so because it's God's idea, he's not only with me, but he actually sent me. Yeah. And and then I think the last thing we see with Moses is that God equipped Moses. You know, he gave him the staff yeah. and he goes through the whole thing of throw it on the ground and it becomes a snake. And, you know, he, he equipped him. And, and we have to remind ourselves God's done that for us, too. God is not only with us and he's not only sent us, but he's also equipped us for the task. And when we let that get deep inside our spirit, it helps counter the imposter syndrome and the feelings of inadequacy because we realize this started with God. It's good. And uh, I'm going to lean into that. Yeah, it's good. Got two more, two more, two more questions for you. Um, you talk, I thought it was, was challenged by this. It's in a day when leaders are fearful of standing up and speaking up. Um, how do we, how do we not cower in fear when we don't, it's just easier not to say anything or it's not, yeah. it's easier to not take a stand, but, um, yeah. What wisdom do you have for those on this, Steve? You know, I think I would start on this, Aaron, by just saying that speaking up and standing up doesn't mean we have to express an opinion about every single thing. Hmm. And in social media right now, there is this expectation that anytime anything happens, every pastor, every missionary, every leader has to make a statement. And I'm just going to tell you, that's exhausting. And I don't think that's <laughs> I don't think that's realistic. I really yeah. don't. And so yeah. I'm not saying that we should be silenced because our silence can do the opposite. Our silence can can condone uh, bad behavior and, and things that are evil and wrong. So I'm not suggesting that. I think we swing to extremes if we're not careful here. Um, I, I think when it comes to standing up and speaking up, um, we, we've got to be clear about our 
our values and then figure out what does it look like for me practically to stand up and speak up. Mm. And I think I think what it looks like practically, it's not just a post on social media. Okay. I, I think it goes beyond that to to say to to answer some questions and 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 I there's four questions that I ask a lot of times that I challenge leaders with um, to help them figure out really how they can use their leadership and influence to make a difference. And, and the questions are, what need can I meet? What problem can I solve? What person can I help? What beauty can I create? That's great. If, can you say, the, if can all, you say this one again? Yeah, yeah. Just so what need, what need can I meet? There's, okay. We're surrounded by needs, like they're all around us. So, so what need can I meet? Yeah. Um, what problem can I solve? Um, and the difference between a need and a problem is that when you meet a need, it, it tends to be more momentary. Mm-hmm. But when you solve a problem, it's like it's been solved for good now. Okay. So, for example, I can meet the need of a hungry person by giving them a meal. And that met their need until dinner time rolls around. Yeah. So so that's – that's. I'm not saying that's bad. That's good. Like that right. need needs to be met. Sure. Um, the, but when I solve a problem now – I've I've actually helped them get back on their feet, and now the the problem has been solved permanently. So yeah, sometimes we're meeting needs, sometimes we're solving problems. So what need can I meet? What problem can I solve? Uh, the third question: What person can I help? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times God uses certain um, part of His call in our life will be to help a certain person or a certain group of people. I think that's yeah. that's true for missionaries a lot of times. They feel yeah. called to a certain people group um, yeah. that, that they can help, that they can serve. So so what person can I help? And then what beauty can I create? And by that, I mean, there's so much brokenness in our world. Um, how can I bring beauty to the world? And I think yeah. this even has to do with art and, yeah. and, and, and um, the giftings God's given us that actually beautify the world and make it a better place. So, so what beauty can I create in my world? If I wrestle with those four questions, what need can I meet? Problem can I solve? Person can I help? Beauty can I create? I, I think I'm going to naturally stand up and speak up to make the world a better place. Yeah. yeah. Rather than being sucked into this vortex where um, I have to make a social media post, but our impact ends with that post. Mm-hmm. And wow. again, I'm not opposed to making the post. I'm just saying that it's got to go beyond that, where you actually stand up and speak up by doing something that's meeting yeah. a need, solving a problem, helping a person. Yeah, that's good. And a great challenge. A great challenge. I think the quick and easy thing is 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 on social media and, and words, um, you know, they they can come easy. But I appreciate the challenge of of uh, yeah. putting the putting putting that into action. For sure, for sure. Last question for you um, on legacy. So, you know, as leaders, we we do begin to think about legacy. At least the older we get, and um, I don't think it's necessarily uh, it's not a bad thing. Um, so, how how do leaders how do they balance this this idea of not being significant and not leaving a legacy? Or yeah, just, just share some thoughts on that. You know, I. I was listening to a podcast recently and um, the person being interviewed made a great statement. Uh, They said, you know, um, oftentimes we compare our success to other uh, people. And so, and then we're depressed, right? Mm. Because we don't feel like we're doing anything. 
again, th- we see this on social media when we see other people's successes and then we're right. like, gosh, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. And uh, he made a great statement. And that was that, you know, the way to deprete, to defeat the depression that we feel when we see other people's success and maybe our lack of success, the, the cure is to just get clear on your own definition of success. Mm. That's good. And then you can just compare yourself against that. And it doesn't matter if anybody else is successful. You're able to look and see, uh, or excuse me, it doesn't matter what someone else's success looks like. You're able to look and see, well, am I being successful against what I define success as? If you never define success for yourself, you'll spend your entire life comparing yourself with everybody else's success and feel like a failure every step of the way. Hmm. Um, and and then either jealousy or pride, uh, uh, you know, builds. And so... I think as leaders, um, you know, start by defining what does true success look like or true significance look like for me. And then let's let that be the standard and not get consumed with everybody else's. Now, having said that, I will say this, that I think in general, when it comes to our legacy, we kind of need to think about it from three angles. Um, One angle is character. Because people are going to remember who you are. In other words, the type of person that you are, uh, the character that you have, um, first and foremost. Um, and and so I think we got to look at ourselves and go, you know, say, do my does my life model the fruit of the spirit? Am I loving? Yeah. Am I generous? Am I humble? Am I forgiving? Am I honest? Um, those are the things people remember and that they appreciate most about you. So. Does my legacy reflect character? Um, Secondly, does my legacy reflect some kind of contribution that I'm making in the world? And that contribution is usually going to be through our gifts and our abilities and our skills and whatever resources God's entrusted to us. And um, so I have a responsibility to steward those giftings, those resources uh, to their full potential, not for my own good uh, as much as for the good of others. And so how am I contributing to the world to make it better? Yeah. And then the the last part of of legacy that I think is we got to consider is is connection with other people. And and this has to do with um you know just the the people that we're pouring into that we're investing in family, friends, you know, people we're mentoring, uh employees, uh disciples of Jesus, the poor, like anybody that God calls us to pour into that connection with those people, that's a big part of our legacy. That's where people remember far more the the deposit we made in their life and the difference it made whenever our life is, you know, long gone, right? Yeah. So so I think you've got to define success for you, but I think as well, success generally will include these three areas, our character, our contribution, uh, and, and the connection we're making as we're pouring into other people. Wow. Stephen, I appreciate you. I think more than you know, uh, it's just overcoming fears. This leadership fears, this spoke to me and it was valuable and uh, looking forward to getting this out to the audience. Will you pray for us? Will you pray for the leaders listening in and everyone that listening in that they will, they'll take this um, truth that you shared with us today and put it action, put it into action in their life. Yeah. Glad to Aaron. And, and let me just encourage everybody like just because you deal with fear doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Hmm. It's just it's just part of life and it's part of leadership. And the truth of the matter is, if you're not encountering fear, you're probably not stretching, dreaming, 
growing enough, you're, you're playing it safe. Fear yeah. is just part of the territory. The key is to make sure it doesn't cripple us and, okay. and that it doesn't control us and it doesn't dominate our lives, right? Yeah. So just because you face fear, well, you know, well, welcome to the world. This is what we, <laughs> we, we we live in. The good news is it doesn't have to control us and we can defeat it and we can move on. Um, you don't need courage unless you're afraid, right? Yeah. So, so it's in the face of the fear that we say, nope, it's not going to control me. And uh, we just have these things that are inside of us that um, drive us to, to do what God's called us to do in the face of that fear. So wow. just a, a closing thought there. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much uh, for each person listening right now. And, um, and I thank you, God, for calling so many into so many different places around the world to serve, to make a difference, to add value, to advance your kingdom for the glory of God. And Lord, we all are facing fears in the midst of all of this, um, things that mount, things that were we didn't see coming, maybe things that blindside us, maybe uh, circumstances that change, and we just feel uh, uh, like, like it's this barrier. God, I pray in Jesus' name that faith would rise up in each one of us and that you would uh, just empower us by your spirit to lead courageously into what you've called us to do. And may you receive all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 